It's me again. <laughs> oh, I just get lost in that music. It just, you all have blessed my heart so much. Thank you for the music. And then everyone here has just blessed my heart so much. Um, are you all hot or is it just me? Is it hot in here? Is it hot? It's not too warm. Okay. I don't know if we wanted to open a door or if that would help. I just, no. I do want to say that um, if you start to fall asleep, <laughs> okay, there, there are couple, there's one trick I know, and that is that um, if you have some water and you sip on water, it keeps you awake, and that way you don't pass out and fall out of your chair. <laughs> have you ever been close to doing that? <laughs> I have, actually. I'll tell you. If you want to hear this story, I'll tell you privately. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so if you feel like you're going to pass out, and if I feel like I'm going to pass out, just stand up, and I don't mind. It won't bother me. I'll know that you're about to pass out. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, so I am going to pray. See, someone already is using my advice. <laughs> no, it really does work if you jump up and just go. <gasps> okay, so I'm going to pray. Father God, I am so thankful to be here, and I'm so blessed by these students and the staff and just how you have poured into my heart uh, through this time here and the interaction and the faith stories that I have heard in these, these two days. God, thank you so much. Um, I am a miracle, and every person in this room is a miracle of faith. The fact that you love me and you hold on to me is an absolute miracle. And just the abundance of your forgiveness and your mercy... I am awed, and I am so humbled. And I just ask you, Lord, to speak <clears throat> through this faith story that I'm going to share tonight. It's a powerful story. It's, sometimes it's a confounding story. And each one of us will have to search our hearts after this message to hear your voice in this faith story. If there is a message for us, I believe there is. So I ask you to speak, and I ask your Holy Spirit to speak in our hearts. In Christ's name I pray, amen. Mm. So we have this great cloud of witnesses, and their stories are all in this book. And they encourage us, men and women, who have laid aside every encumbrance, everything that weighs them down and the sin that clings so closely to them to run with endurance the race that is set before them, fixing their eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. This is a story of a righteous man. He was a man that was loved by God. And he was a part of one of the greatest faith journeys on earth. It's an amazing story. The hand of God's protection 
was on his life from birth. Can you guess who it is yet? Anybody know? No. Okay. <laughs> um, could be a number of people. His father died. I'll give you a few more clues. His father died when he was young, and he was raised by his grandfather. Does anybody know yet? No. Does anybody? Yeah? Did you raise your hand? You're brave. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I'm not going to keep you in suspense too much longer. He was raised by his grandfather and by his uncle. And then when his grandfather died, um, his uncle, uh, I, who I think loved him like a father, do you know? Uh, I know the story. I just don't know the I heard it. Lot. Uncle Abraham. Wouldn't you love to have an uncle like Abraham? <laughs> so one day, his life was changed forever. When his uncle, who I think probably loved him like a son, came to him with some astounding news. I have heard the voice of God, and I'm moving. <laughs> God's call on Abraham's life and faith um, became the faith journey of Lot as well. Go from your country, you know what God said to Abraham, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation and bless the earth. I can only imagine the conversation around the campfire, can't you? After Abraham heard from God, and then he said, hey, Lot, have you got some time? Um, I was wondering if we could just sit down, and, and I, I, I just had something I needed to tell you. And so he says, I'm leaving everything. <laughs> Just a little thing. God has said, leave everything and follow me. Uh, and I will make you a great nation. But I, I'm, I'm leading you someplace, but I'm not telling you exactly where. And I'm going to bless you, but I, I haven't really filled in the details of exactly how. And I'll, I'll bless the earth in the midst of it all. I mean... <laughs> Can't you imagine what Lot felt? He's like, Uncle Abraham? Like, what are you talking about? But Lot listened. And Lot embraced the vision and the voice and the journey right alongside his uncle. And Abraham obeyed and Lot went with him. And the faith story, this chapter of it begins. And he watches as Uncle Abraham <laughs> seeks God. And hears God, God's voice and builds altars and worships. And together they survive this famine and they travel down to Egypt. And this is, this is just this incredible uh, story of faith. And, and they escape disaster and then they worship again. And Abraham builds an altar and then he returns to this altar. And I can only imagine that Lot was there watching as his uncle loved God and worshiped God and heard God's voice and followed God. And God blesses both of these men. I mean, they both become very wealthy with possessions, with servants, with family, with livestock. And eventually, they cannot stay together. Many of you are familiar with the story. The land cannot sustain both of the families. And so they're going to have to part ways. And Abraham gives Lot's, Lot his choice. 
any land, first choice, whichever way you want to go. And Lot, they're up on a mountain, and Lot looks out, and he looks eastward, and he sees this beautiful valley, and it is like the valley of God. It is so rich. It is so beautiful. It is so green. It is the garden of God in beauty, and that's the direction that Lot picks. He couldn't know the danger that he was really walking into. And he lived and settled near a town called Sodom. Now, after a time, war broke out and Sodom was attacked and Lot and his family were kidnapped and Abraham had to come and rescue Lot. And we see that in chapter 14, that Abraham rescues Lot. That's the little title in my Bible. And he went, but after the rescue, he went back to Sodom. And this time, he lived in the city, in the city gates. It seemed like a safer choice to, um, to live there instead of outside the city. But the evil of the people around him was steadily growing. And the cries of injustice and immorality and pain grew louder. And eventually, God had to act. And we know the famous discussion that took place uh, in Genesis between Abraham and these two angels that God sent to check out Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they have this back and forth. Do you remember? And Abraham says, well, you know, this just seems really harsh that you're going to go down and you're going to check, check out these two cities and, and you're going to destroy them. And so he says, what if you find 50 that are righteous and the angels say, then we'll spare, we'll spare the cities. Well, Abraham thinks about it for a minute. Can't you just see the wheels turning? And he says, well, what if you find 40? What if they're, you know, just 40? Okay. And Abraham, his wheels are turning and he says, well, what if you only find 20? What if you only find 10? You know, it is so hard for us to wrap our minds around the holiness of God, isn't it? And I just think God has to help us at every turn, especially as we journey through the Old Testament. At every turn, God has to help us, but he is faithful to help us understand. It's just hard to wrap our minds around this incredible holiness of God and the depravity of man. But you know what the angels didn't say to Abraham, because he didn't ask, is that if we just find one, one righteous person, we will save that one person. Abraham didn't go down that low. He didn't dare, I guess. But that's what the angel ended up doing. That's my God. If I just see one, I will save the one. So the angels approach Sodom, and they look like men, and they look like weary travelers. And so it's evening, and they come to the gates of Sodom. And Lot is sitting in the gate with all the, the respected, that's where the men sat, was in the gate. And that's where they did all kinds of community business. They made big decisions. And it was the men of wealth and power and respect who would sit in the gate. That's where Lot was. Sodom was a home. Sodom was his home. His family was settled there. His business was there. 
his community, his network of relationships. And it was a place of safety, and yet it was a place of ever-increasing crime and violence. I think it's natural for us to ask, why did he stay there so long? What happened? Peter tells us that Lot was a righteous man. In 2 Peter, you find a commentary on Lot and that his soul was tormented by the evil that surrounded him day after day, by the things that he saw and by the things that he heard. But you know, unrighteousness, it's kind of like waves that sort of gently roll up around our feet on the seashore. I don't know when, you guys go to the beach all the time, right? So you know what I'm talking about. I don't go to the beach all the time, so this seems like so cool to me, but for you, this is normal. It's like when you're standing on the beach and the waves are just sort of gently rolling in and there's no danger and you're not afraid, you surfer dudes. And so you just stand there, right? But you know what happens, don't you? You've seen the waves at high tide. You've seen a storm roll in. And suddenly the waves are crashing at your feet. And you're, you know, I don't know, in California, I don't know. We were in Carmel. The waves almost swept us off that ledge. It's true. Okay, so this is true. So Paul warns us. Paul warns us that difficult times will come, that evil men will increase. They will go from bad to worse. It's like not overnight. It's just gradual. It's like those waves crashing. Jesus warns us to stay awake, to be careful, to be alert to the world around us. Even our verses in Hebrews 12 warn us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of my story. You see, evil men will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And that's what happened. When Lot saw these two weary travelers approach the gate, he, it says he hastened to them. He jumped up. He saw these men coming. And he could anticipate what was going to happen. He insisted that they stay with him. He knew that the town square in the city of Sodom was a dangerous place. You know, today, a lot of town squares are dangerous, aren't they? You wouldn't camp in a lot of places in Los Angeles. But Lot had no idea what was getting ready to happen. He had no idea of the evil that he and his family would face that night. After dinner, the darkness fell around the house. And maybe they were sitting around the table talking, and there was a knock on the door, and it says that the men of Sodom surrounded that house and they demanded that Lot send out his visitors. They demanded that the travelers be given over, that they might molest them, probably beat them, possibly murder them. And Lot stands his ground. These are my visitors. They are under the protection of my home. And Lot that night, he risks his family and his own life for the sake of these travelers. He is only saved by the power of the angels when they see that the situation is out of control and that the men of the town are about ready to grab Lot 
and storm the house and come in through the door. And the angels blind, they use the power of God to blind the men temporarily. Gather your family and flee the danger, they said that night, and flee the evil of this place. Take nothing with you. Leave everything behind because judgment is getting ready to fall. You do not need it. Lot goes and he tries to warn his future sons-in-laws. He has two daughters. And he tries to tell them, you need to come with me. You need to flee. We're going to flee Sodom. And they won't believe him. They think that Lot is just joking. I wonder if Lot had just been silent too long. But then Lot hesitates to obey. He goes back home. He tries to negotiate with the angels. He tries to negotiate another plan. You see, it's just so hard, isn't it, to leave the world that I know, to leave what is familiar, what feels safe, and to leave it behind. I want to figure out a way to stay right here. I want to figure out a way to change it or save it or take part of it with me. I want to know exactly where I'm going. Lot talks to them about, you know, exactly where am I supposed to be going? Um, it's kind of like he's renegotiating a new contract or something, you know? So he's standing there, and the angels are saying that it is time to go. It, the, it is the, the last hour. Um, there are times in our lives when God says flee. He says wake up. He says flee. Don't argue. Listen to God. Listen to his voice. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And it takes an unbelievable amount of faith to get up and go. And the angels ended up having to take Lot by the hand and literally drag him out of his home. You know, Lot's story is so dramatic. And I I can't even... It's hard to wrap my mind around it. I only know that there are so many stories similar the people in the forest who lost their homes, the, the family that had come home and they had actually packed a trailer. And it was about 3.30. And then they were finished at, at about 4. And they were getting ready to get in that trailer. And they looked up, and Dan shared this the other night, the house across, uh, half a mile exploded. And within two minutes, the flames had raced across their meadow and just completely surrounded them. What Dan didn't tell you is that they had hooked up their trailer to Jim's truck, and the truck wouldn't start. And so now they are in their driveway because the fire sucks out all the oxygen. And so the truck, for you mechanics, you know this, the truck would not start. Fire is surrounding them. They open their doors, and their dogs escape. Jim runs out into the fire. Embers now, the the trees are falling on him. He had burns on his arms. Luckily, they had a car in the garage that was closed, and there was enough oxygen there to start that car. And they drove out, and they left everything they had been packing, everything valuable and precious in that truck and that trailer. They just drove away and left it. So I understand the drama of deliverance. Deliverance is always 
fantastic. It is always a miracle. Now, what I ask is, how could this possibly relate to our lives today? You might be asking that same question. But Peter, if we go to 2 Peter, Peter put Lot right in the middle of one of the most powerful chapters of warning in the, in the entire New Testament. And it is in that chapter that Peter warns us of how the enemy plans to destroy and attack the people of God. And Peter says, it's not if the enemy is going to do this. It's when the enemy is going to do this. It's when it happens. And in that chapter, he warns us of false teachers who will come into the church. They will live lives of sensuality and greed. They will brag about wrongdoing. They will get away with things. They will entice unsteady souls. And when you read the chapter of 2 Peter, I've toned it down a little bit for you. 2 Peter 2, it is very sobering because Peter does not want us to be unaware and shallow in our faith and our knowledge of God's word. He does not want us to be naive of the enemy's plans to attack faith. Later on in Peter, he says, why are you surprised at the fire trials around you? Why are you unaware of the gentle waves of unrighteousness that are lapping at your feet? And he says, Lot is an example of a righteous man who loved God, who knew God, who got caught in the waves of unrighteousness. But what he speaks to us, his story speaks to us of the fact that God is able to deliver. It is such a powerful message that God is able to save us and deliver us. I believe that Lot's story tells us to recognize the signs when you are being surrounded. The signs that are given to us throughout the New Testament. Fear. If you just feel this fear in certain places, confusion, conflict with others, shame, guilt, isolation, bitterness, is there any area of your life where you just feel a little bit uncomfortable? And you might not be able to put it into words exactly. You might not have ever tried, but, but maybe it comes to mind right now. Some area where things are just not right. It could be at home. It could be at school. It could be at work. It can be in a dorm room, in a relationship. It can be in a church. You see, no place on earth is off limits for attacks to faith. Recognize when you feel afraid. Recognize when you feel powerless or you feel forced to make excuses or to blame others for something. Peter uses a lot as an example for us that God Almighty knows how to rescue the righteous, how to rescue the godly from trials. You see, the author of my faith is committed to my deliverance, to growing me up, to rescuing me when I need to be rescued, when I am trapped, and to hear my cry and to open my eyes. 
I, I've asked myself, what would Lot say to us today if he were here? If he could share his story, if he could talk to us today, what would he say? He was a righteous man. He loved his family. He loved his home. Would he say to you and me, wake up. Call out now if you need help. If there is anything hidden, bring it out into the light. Because the author of your faith is also the lover of your soul. And he is committed to saving us. He is committed to deliverance. Don't settle. Don't fall asleep. Nothing is off limits to the enemy. And I think that's Peter's message. I think Peter, who knew it, his faith had been so attacked. Peter knew that how vicious the enemy could be. Now, I want to share that the last chapter of Lot's life is a tragic chapter. There are just a few verses. They flee. Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed. We know that Lot's wife looks back. The angels told them, don't look back. How many times have I asked questions about Lot's wife? You know, I can't stand in judgment. I don't know her heart. I know that Jesus uses that as an example to say, when it's time for the Son of Man to return, if you're on the rooftop, don't go down to the house. If you're in the field, don't go back home to get anything. Just flee to the hills. Be ready when, the sun, when it's time for the Son of Man to return. Don't be like Lot's wife who looked back. That's all I know. But on that day of deliverance, Lot, Lot lost everything. He lost his home. He lost his business. He lost everything that they had been blessed with, every blessing God had ever given them. And then he lost his wife. That day, Lot was crippled by fear, by catastrophic loss and grief. And it says that he hid himself in a cave. And he numbed the pain with drunkenness for the rest of his life. Lot could not move forward in grace or in hope. Lot never made it to Zoar to tell people about the holiness and the righteousness and the judgment of God. He never made it there like Jonah finally made it to Nineveh to say, judgment is going to fall. Turn back and repent and to give, to give hope to his world. Lot could not move forward in hope and grace. Truly, it was crash upon crash, wasn't it? Those verses from Jeremiah 4. And as a result, Lot destroyed the lives of those around him, his daughters. You know, have you ever felt like it's one thing after another, like the enemy attacks just one thing after another? And about the time you get up and you get things together, something else happens. The bottom falls out of something else. 
There's some other disappointment. There's an unexpected um, attack on faith from some other unexpected direction. You know, I see, I see this happening to many of our neighbors in the forest. Couples whose marriages are disintegrating, people who are angry and bitter, they're afraid to come out of their rental homes, literally. They're paralyzed. There are children from all these over 500 families. There are children everywhere who are still having nightmares. We know several men who lost their wives just before the fire. Crash upon crash. Pain is so deep. And many are numbing it with alcohol. And many are trying to fill the void by just accumulating more things. Searching the internet, trying to find what I had. And it's so disappointing. It doesn't fill. It doesn't fill that place that God has to fill. Others are still living without even adequate clothing and shelter. It's, it's really unimaginable what has happened to so many families. I want to tell you what Lot says to me personally. In my lifetime, I have had to be delivered by God. I have been stupid I have been naive. I have been surrounded by sinners and trapped in circumstances. I have given in to temptation and sin. I have made poor decisions. I have been a victim, and my family, my daughter, as I told you, a victim of pure evil. I have been a victim of stupidity of others. People who stood around and watched a fire burn, thinking it was harmless, with no concept of the wind and the heat that was going to combine to drive that fire and destroy my home. We don't like that word victim, but sometimes that's what happens on this broken road, on this journey. I have needed dramatic Miraculous, life-saving, life-changing deliverance by God Almighty in my lifetime. And chances are you will need it too if you haven't already. But I know some of you have already in this room. I've heard. I've heard your story. I need in this place, in my faith story... I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need grace as never before in my life. I need miracles. And I stand before you as just a a fellow traveler on a broken road. And I want to lay aside every encumbrance. I want to lay aside everything that weighs me down more now than ever before. I want to lay aside the sin that clings so closely, everything that could tangle up my feet, everything that even hints of that, I want to lay it aside and I want to run with endurance this race that is set before me. 
I want to fix my eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of my faith, the lover of my soul. I don't want to live in a cave. I don't want to hide. I don't want to be silenced by the enemy. No matter what happens, no matter how faith is attacked, no matter what is lost, what is stolen, no matter what evil falls my way, I don't want to go into a dark cave. I want to share that God Almighty is my deliverer. He is faithful and he is perfect in his faithfulness. And I believe that that's, the, that's what Lot's story speaks to me. There are going to be so many things that come. Peter says, don't be deceived. You're going to feel surrounded at times. There is danger. You've got to be strong. You've got to be strong in your knowledge of God, your knowledge of God's word, and the power of his spirit inside of you. I want to tell the world what God has done for my soul. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you for Lot's faith story. And I just pray for everyone here tonight that you would help us to process these things, that you would help us to search our hearts and our lives. If there's something we need to see, something we need to wake up to, that we would let you speak to our hearts these words of warning and that we would be men and women who fix our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author, the perfecter of our faith, that we would let you change us and heal us, whatever it needs to be inside of us, that we would not be held captive by sin or bitterness or anger or fear or shame or paralyzed, that we would walk with you and be a testimony of hope in this world. In Christ's name.